This is Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi, two of the top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys, one from California and one from Massachusetts, squaring off on legal news and legal observations. Lawyer to Lawyer is sponsored by Law.com, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. We're glad you could join us this week. This is Bob Ambrogi from Massachusetts. And this is Craig Williams from sunny Southern California. I write a legal blog called May It Please the Court. Bob, what are we talking about this week? We are talking about social networking sites, uh, whether uh, Facebook, MySpace, LinkedIn. Uh, these days, uh, pretty much everybody is either part of a social networking site, it seems like, or at least knows of somebody who's active in one. And social networking sites have reconnected old friends and former colleagues, created networking ties, and have rekindled relationships all across the world. But like uh, every new advance in technology, uh, social networking sites have been raising uh, some new legal challenges, new legal questions, and perhaps uh, new legal risks. So we're going to talk about some of these issues today, from advertising issues to private information uh, becoming public to copyright issues and even cyberbullying. Let's get to our guest today. Uh, and uh, first of all, I would like to welcome uh, Christopher Carfee. Christopher is co-founder of Serato, a, a company that provides five classes of, of software and services for businesses, organizations, and associations, primarily in the areas of social networking, customer relations, and customer management. Uh, and uh, he has a, a strong interest uh, in things such as social networks, blogs, wikis, and the like. Uh, welcome to the show, Chris Carfee. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Craig. Well, our next guest is Eric Goldman. He's an assistant professor of law and the director of the High Tech Law Institute at Santa Clara University School of Law. He practiced internet law for eight years in Silicon Valley and now teaches cyberspace law and intellectual property. His research focuses on the internet and marketing law topics such as search engines, social networks, blogs, spam, and adware. He blogs on internet law topics at the Technology and Marketing Law blog. Welcome to the show, Eric. Thank you for having me. And finally, joining us today is a journalist, Kara Swisher. Uh, Kara is the co-executive editor of All Things Digital and uh, uh, writes the blog and longtime column, Boomtown. Uh, she uh, started covering technology issues for the Wall Street Journal back in 1997 and uh, uh, turned uh, Boomtown, I think, from a, a column into a blog. And as, as a matter of fact, uh, Kara recently mentioned that she's... Uh, saving trees from now on and, and writing exclusively uh, digitally. Uh, but she, her, her and Walter Mossberg produced the conference D, All Things Digital, a, a major high-tech conference with interviewees such as Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, and many other leading players in the technology and media industries. And she's written uh, quite a bit about Facebook and social networking uh, on her blog. Welcome to the show, Kara Swisher. Thanks a lot. Well, let's start off the discussion uh, kind of identifying the phenomenon of social networking and uh, talking about Facebook and MySpace and LinkedIn. What's driving this business of social networking? Well, you want me to start off? I mean, it's just it's the latest thing that's happening. Um, it's not A lot of people act like uh, social networking is sort of the newest thing since sliced bread, but actually it's, it's just a continued phenomenon of people trying to be interactive with each other and it's not unlike sort of Facebook and MySpace, the rest of them are not unlike, uh, say, AOL on Hyperspeed or My Yahoo, but with much, many more interactive 
um, and linking uh, features so that you can you can do more and they contribute more. Well, but is there? Uh, I mean, there seems to be a, a, a new level of perhaps commercialization of this. I mean, the 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 success of of Facebook, the success of MySpace. Uh, has has brought uh, social networking to a, a level of of commerce uh, that that begins to raise issues and that has seems to have been drawing the lawyers out of the woodwork at least especially in in, in recent weeks we've heard about you know the the district the attorney generals of the states uh, entering into an agreement with MySpace over privacy concerns there was uh, you know the the news this week of the uh, the, the 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 Scrabble makers lawsuit against uh, uh, Facebook and it just even today there are new new revelations about some privacy concerns on, on MySpace I mean sure I mean I think it's not it's not like they're it, it's not new I mean my my Yahoo is bigger than any of these things at this point but they just happen to be the hot thing of the day and they're trying new things with commercialization let's be clear none of these things make a lot of money compared to the older versions of these but um, but they are hot right now and, and so they're trying new different things and what's getting them into trouble is that you put even more information than you used to on uh, on these on these essentially portals um, and that's where it's getting into it is is that they're everyone's moving to them and so attorney generals not no shrinking violence when it comes to hot trends are, are focusing on them and so they you know they're doing a lot of the things because of the information say myspace Younger people are on it, and they put a lot of personal information on them. And so attorney generals are looking at them because of issues of, of pedophiles, about kids having too much information up. With Facebook, it has to do with advertising, that it's taking your personal information and selling it to advertisers. And with Scrabulous, they just simply stole the idea of Scrabble and put it up there without permission. I mean, that's kind of basic. Well, let's bring Eric Goldman into this and ask Eric. Uh, I mean, are there are there issues, legal issues that that are unique to these these sites, or or are they simply uh, new permutations of of uh, longstanding questions? Uh, certainly, we've seen people communicating via electronic networks for decades. Um, so, in that sense, um, this technology is just the newest way that uh, people are slicing and dicing the technology to communicate with each other. Um, and every time that we have uh, some uh, major uh, evolution in the Internet, um, there's always a temptation to engage in what I call exceptionalism, that because it looks like it might be something new, special, or different, uh, there's a temptation on the part of people to treat it as such and to try and regulate it as such. My perspective, I don't see social networks as uh, anything different than um, uh, technologies we've been dealing with for quite a while, and I'm uh, uh, somewhat fascinated by the uh, temptation to pass these social networking-specific regulations um, simply because they're the newest thing that everyone's excited about. Well, are there concerns, though, about privacy? I mean, there was a report just, I think, just today about... about, uh MySpace, for example, uh, there's sort of being a backdoor into areas of MySpace that are supposed to be private. And, and the, I mean, the story focused on this question of whether uh, you know pedophiles are, are using that to get into uh, photos of, of underage uh, MySpace users. Uh, I mean, that's that's not something you, you tend to hear about in, in other applications, is it? 
the technology no, can be used uh, in a lot of different ways. Well people have been uh, posting personal information online for decades, and people have been misusing posted personal information for decades. Um, so in that sense, there's not anything new. Perhaps we might qualitatively feel it's different because the amount of usage has gone up so much or because uh, people uh, are talking about it and there's a buzz about it in ways that there might not have been about other technological applications. But I don't think the legal principles are any different. And certainly I don't think the technology is radically different from what we've seen in the past. Chris, how do people view the perspective of what Facebook did by adding Beacon, the tracking program that uh, tracks what you buy, alerts your friends, and creates an ad? Uh, how, how does social networking fit into that? Well, this, this is Chris. I think uh, Beacon in particular was kind of an interesting example as, as Facebook went out and partnered with a number of organizations that when you were going out and doing transactional type of activities on those external sites, such as a um, Fandango for movie tickets, for example, when you would go out and purchase, inform- or purchase uh, a movie ticket over on Fandango, it would then attempt to push the sort of the, the digital tracks of that of that transaction into Facebook and, and alert and notify anyone who was watching your your profile or, or looking at your history on Facebook would see that. So it extended the, the reach, I think, very interestingly, and that kind of leads into what I, I completely agree with both uh, Eric and Kara's points on a lot of the, the fundamental technologies and fundamental things that people are doing are not significantly different than like the old um, AOL walled garden of old. What I think is different, though, is a, a question of who actually owns all of these tracks, who actually owns all of this information. So do I own my information when it goes into Facebook, and should I be able to pull it out, or does Facebook own it? And it gets more prickly, I think, when you start looking at relationship information, because, for example, if... Um, Kara and I or Eric and I are connected to each other on, say, Facebook. If someone is looking at my information, does that implicitly give them the right to look at private information, A, about the the fact that those connections exist, or B, into the the private information of other individuals who are in my network? So I think there are some some interesting implications that are starting to come up from an ownership perspective. Once you've when you become a friend with someone, you do get to look at that information. That's the whole point of Facebook is that you can begin to... I mean, I call it the beacon stalkerish because it follows you. It follows your purchases around without your particular permission, and you have to keep saying no to it, which is sort of annoying instead of just asking you. I mean, people might want to do it, but it, one of the things is that if we become friends, I give you a right, with whether I have the right or not, to look at my friends. And so, you know, but your friends gave you that right so it's really, I mean, the whole thing sort of spins out of control when you, you know, sort of like that, that well, a balsam commercial, I told two friends and they told two friends and so on and so on and so on. And that's what happens here. It sort of spins into this massive amount of people that have let their information, um, and on, they did it themselves. I mean, they put it up there um, in a way that they wanted it presented. And so that's, that's one of the problems. And the second one is it's so easy to put this information up. Now the tools have become amazing to put up video, to put up pictures, to put up blogs, to put up you know, just about anything about yourself. And what's different than before is that the tools are simple and instant, and so people tend to um, do them. And without thinking about the implications of sticking up you know, all sorts of private information. 
We, we can't always protect people from themselves, but but should these sites be doing more to uh, educate consumers about uh, the privacy concerns, about other you know advertising tracking concerns, about other concerns? That, I'm well, sorry? they should, but they're not going to. I mean, their whole interest is getting people engaged. So they have the engagement level is really important to selling advertising. So you want people on those sites, you know, fussing around with their profiles forever. Um, so they don't really want you not to do that. And the more information, the better for them. And then once they have more information, it's better to sell to advertisers because, you know, these sites, you know, have to make money because they have these insane valuations. And so they, the more information they have about you, the more they can slice and dice it for advertisers and really target you. And that's the whole, that is, that is what's different. The targeting software in advertising is getting so sophisticated. They can tell you know, what I like and what I, what I don't like, and they can really target ads to you. And whether you want them or not, it's a question, but you, you're going to get them in the way that's you know, highly specific. And that's a little creepy to a lot of people, and it is creepy. Well, and I agree that they're not going to do this on their own, but I think maybe the question is more should should they be somehow compelled to do this, either either through uh, legal action or, or consumer pressure or something else? Uh, this is Eric. If I could chime in on that. Um, actually, I think what we're seeing is a constant experimentation about how to replicate um, the offline social interactions that people have in an online context. Um, but online also allows people to do a bunch of new things, to interact with each other in new ways that you couldn't do offline. And we're really in an experimentation stage that way. We're trying to figure out um, what this technology allow us to do to um, interact with each other. And I think, um, you know, something like uh, Facebook's Beacon is a, uh, a visible misstep or a visible um, experiment gone awry. Um, but I don't think we need to draw too many uh, observations on that. I think it's uh, natural that as we try out new things, some of them are going to work and some of them aren't. Chris, what is, how does Serato play into this? Well, we're looking at the, the social networking space for uh, businesses and associations. So it's a little bit different than the, the mass market aspect that somebody like a, a Facebook is looking at. And we're, we're coming at it from a, a very different, a different side that we're trying to connect up groups that may already have some uh, affinity uh, with, with each other and trying to, to facilitate those, those connections and doing that as part of other types of activities that organizations are using to go out and connect better with their, their customers and, and memberships and such. So since we're looking at things from a, um, a different point of view and are not an ad-driven type of um, approach like a, like a Facebook, it, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of different types of concerns, but even the, the types of things that we get asked by our questions are things like, you know, do we want to have anybody able to join one of these networks because we're not sure if we want um, anybody coming in or should it be a more closed club. So it's a, it's a slightly different set of questions, but the overall types of um, issues that we're addressing, I think, are going to be very, very important. And these, these questions of, you know, who owns, who owns information, who owns the, um, you know, the ability to see your information, I think those types of things are universal across the, the social networking industry. Are, are you finding a similar type of a problem with business privacy information as consumer privacy information? Um, we haven't in the same way, and I think that might be an artifact of the, the types of individuals with whom we're, we're interacting. We are heavily skewed towards you know, folks who are using 
the, the networks and the technologies for particular um, purpose-driven business purposes. And so we don't have folks going up there and, you know, putting up, you know, their pictures of, of last weekend's party. Instead, the, the types of individuals that we're interacting with typically are a little bit more um, separate in their, their business lives versus personal lives. And I actually think this is going to be a, a generational change that we're going to see over, you know, the next 10, 15 years, where I think we are actually going to see much more um, combination of the, the different facets or the different aspects of, of who we are as people online. I think you know, folks of, of our generation typically, and again, you know, broadly generalizing here, keep a lot more separation between their um, personal life, if you will, and their, their business or professional life. But again, you know, broadly generalizing, I think the, the generation that's coming up now that really is using MySpace and Facebook, they are going to be much more apt to combine those things. So I think you know, a lot of these questions, as, as Eric said, you know, there's a lot of experiment, experimentation going on, both on the, the business model side, as well as the how do we as human beings interact with each other in this new way. And you know, over the next 5, 10, 15 years, we're going to see a lot of really interesting things fall out. Kara, I had the experience of having a vendor call to ask me to participate in a conference, and while I was talking to the vendor, I ran a Google search and discovered that she had attended a uh, uh, shot party at, at you know in college, and there was a slew of photographs and fairly graphic graphic things that were up on the internet about her. I told her about it and really made me question whether I wanted to do business huh. with her company. Well, how old was she? Was she in college? Ten years after, uh, she was. She had been out of college about four years, five years. Well, you should give her and, a break, but that's another issue altogether. <laughs> One of your issues, you know, people do put stupid stuff up on Facebook and my, especially MySpace. It's more of a party atmosphere at MySpace. But you know, people, younger people who are are, are so comfortable in this in this online paradigm. I mean, relatively speaking, compared to we're, we're you know we're dead in the online area. They're focused on young people. All, all these sites because they're highly comfortable in this environment and they live a digital life um, and everything is digital and everything is is transparent and so people put up this stuff especially funny pictures or you know at the party acting like an ass kind of thing and so they just do it and they don't think about the implications later you know in their life in their professional lives and I think that you know you, why would you think about it when you're in college it's funny um, and you're trying to meet people and you're trying to be cool and so one of the issues is being able to, to block people from seeing maybe more embarrassing pictures of yourself um, or create different profiles. And, you know, Facebook's trying to do this, but it's almost too late. The cat's kind of out of the bag in that area. But that you have a, you know, you have a work profile, you have a friend profile, you have a I was drunk at college profile. Um, but, you know, still, it's still the Internet. And so once the Google gets its tentacles into anything, it's searchable. And, and there's, an old, um, there's an old phrase, you know, private there's no such thing as privacy, get used to it, um, is really true. And it, once it becomes searchable and once it's out there on the Internet, it's very hard to pull back. And you, you've done it. You know, once you've pushed that send button on those drunken college pictures, that's pretty much the end of it. And it's, it is your fault for putting them up there. But at the same time, you should have control over them in some fashion. Well, of course, the other side of that is, is when somebody else is pressing the send button and the pictures right. are well, of yeah. you uh, or, or posting comments that are... Def- Possibly defamatory or, or derogatory. Right. I mean, Eric, I, you know, I, I wonder. I mean, I know that that for you know a lot of what's considered defamation online, uh, 
is is uh, immune from from suit but but what about social networking sites and, and debt liability for defamation there's definitely no difference in terms of the uh, liability analysis for defamation um, because something is posted on a social network um, uh, social networking site you know two observations the person who posts uh, uh, material that's characterized as defamatory has to stand behind that um, the analysis of what qualifies as defamation can be complicated. But if, in fact, it's defamatory, that's their responsibility. Social networking sites are not liable. This is governed by 47 U.S.C. 230, um, and uh, we've seen some application of that to social networking sites, but we're very confident that the uh, principles that we've developed uh, across all cyber law would apply uh, to immunize uh, social networking sites for that uh, defamatory uh, material. Well, at this point, we need to take a short break in our program. We'll return with Chris Carfee, Eric Goldman, and Kara Swisher with more on social networking sites. We'll be right back. We invite you to visit Law.com for timely legal news and in-depth resources. From daily headlines to practice-specific updates, Law.com provides up-to-date information to those working in the legal profession. As part of its coverage, Law.com is proud that J. Craig Williams' blog, May It Please the Court?, and Robert Ambrogi's blog, Law Sites, are part of its blog network. Don't wait any longer. Visit Law.com today and get free subscriptions of our Newswire newsletter with the top legal stories of the day. Or sign up for a free trial subscription to one of our Practice Center sections. If you found us in the podcast library of iTunes, thanks for listening. Check out some of our other shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com and become a member. It's free. Lawyer to Lawyer is produced by the Legal Talk Network and a staff of broadcast professionals. If you have an idea for a topic or a show, we want to hear from you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and send us an email. Did you know that Legal Talk Network podcasts are also available as CLE? Visit Law.com's CLE Center at www.clecenter.com. That's CLECenter.com to enjoy listening and get CLE credit. A video settlement documentary can be the most powerful and persuasive way to bring about a speedy settlement in your client's case. The Boston Media Group has a staff of television professionals with 20 years' experience writing and producing compelling stories just like the ones you've seen on 60 Minutes or Dateline. We put a human face on the lawsuit with compelling interviews, dramatizations, and visual presentations of the fact. Think of it as a video opening argument that will compel the attorneys on the other side to settle. Call us for a consult at 800-317-5221. That's 800-317-5221. Or check out our website at bostonmediagroup.com. Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams. And this is Bob Ambrogi. Uh, Thanks for joining us. We're Talking to our guest, Chris Carfee, a co-founder of Serato, Eric Goldman, assistant professor of law and director of the High Tech Law Institute at Santa Clara University School of Law, and Kara Swisher, a co-producer and co-host of the uh, major high-tech conference, uh, D, All Things Digital, and of course, uh, a blogger and, and technology journalist. Um, the uh, Eric, I just want to follow up on that. I mean... It, we've talked a lot about these sites from from sort of the consumer user point of view. 
Uh, and uh, obviously, you know, Facebook, uh, MySpace are, are large and sophisticated, if not necessarily profitable businesses at this point. Uh, but what about some of the, the emerging sites? How prepared are the are the entrepreneurs, the the organizers behind these sites for for some of the legal issues that that they will be facing as as business operators? This is a common problem of cyber law or a common phenomenon in uh, Internet entrepreneurship. Um, there's a whole host of um, legal costs that are associated with ramping up a business, and uh, many entrepreneurs try and either defer those costs to when they uh, have better cash flow, or they simply try and uh, avoid the cost altogether by saying, I don't care what legal consequences arise. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, with companies that have institutional backing or significant VC backing, uh, they uh, can cope with these a little bit better than a lot of the new startups that are trying to uh, find uh, a unique way of doing things. Um, I don't have any good news for those uh, companies, unfortunately. Uh, Internet entrepreneurship is a heavily regulated phenomenon. Social networking sites are becoming a much more regulated uh, industry. Um, and uh, I, I don't know uh, how they're going to make the numbers work of uh, properly investing in uh, the legal compliance up front while still building a business. Well, they're aware of it. I mean, not to say they're not aware is not true. They, they, I was just with some Facebook major executives there the other day, and they're, you know, they're very much ramping up on, especially having to do with pedophiles. It's sort of like the, anything having to do with young people being stalked or young people's information. They're, they know that this is a really hot-button issue for politicians, especially, and, and legislators. So they're definitely um, not just trying to protect themselves, they're trying to make proactive uh, things to put in place to, um, to stop this, because it, it could really ruin a business if you, if you have problems in that area. And then one of the areas, obviously, they're really focused on is copyright infringement, because people aren't just putting data up, they're putting other people's data and then other companies' data of content and videos and things like that. Um, I think what they're hoping for is that they'll, um, the companies will go for the big, the big fish like Google, which is right now involved in a major lawsuit with Viacom over copyright, for example. Um, but they, they, they understand that these are not new issues and they have to do something about them. It's just that they don't, they're hoping they don't, that people don't get to them, I guess. Chris, Chris, you're a business owner. What's your, what's your take on that? Well, I mean, I think Eric definitely um, you know, kind of hit the nail on the head. It's always a, uh, a balancing act and a you know, set of business decisions of how much and at what point do do those kinds of, of investments get made? So obviously, you know, keeping keeping abreast of, of what's going on in the industry and you know evaluating those those risks and, and making sure there are, there are no you know significant exposures is, is definitely the, the prudent way to look at it. It's interesting to listen to you say that you know essentially what they're trying what social networking sites are trying to do is duplicate the social interaction on a personal level. But it takes it to an entirely different perspective and really creates a phenomenon that no one's dealt with before because social networking at the level that's available on Facebook and uh, MySpace and other sites really uh, exposes many people to things that they might not otherwise expose themselves to generally. So is, is, are we supposed to be protecting people from something that they're not aware of or is it that you, know, you run your own risk in putting up your own information? I want to I want to just chime in on that one for a moment. I'm, I'm sure other people have something to say. Um, I look at this as a transitional period. Um, we're in the process of figuring out as a society how to cope with uh, the new tools that have been presented to us. Um, I would think it'd be um, uh, silly to expect uh, that we would get it right the first time. In other words, uh, that people instantly would know how to uh, cope. 
uh, with the new tools uh, the first time uh, around. So um, I, I would think that we'll have a better answer as a society in a few years. Maybe it'll take a little longer. Once we've had a chance to uh, think it through and people start to develop new norms. Um, so I really look at your question as a transitional one. What do we do today as we're still trying to figure out what, we, uh, 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 what these technologies mean for us? I mean, you can't treat people like babies. I mean, at the same time, I mean, like, if, you know, the advent of the airplane, oh, no, you have to, you'll see people all around the world, or there could be accidents. I mean, I think that a lot of people, the benefits far outweigh the, the negatives. And the thing that I think the social networks have to do is be, do a lot of education and be very clear and very transparent. The problem with Beacon is they didn't, they made it so hard for you to opt out, or they made it difficult that, you know, I'm a very heavy user of the Internet, and I was confused about how to how to get out of it or why I had to keep clicking on buttons, and I, unfortunately, a lot of people just click whatever's in front of them, and that's really their, their responsibility to, to, to educate people, to be clear, to say very clearly. On our site, for example, with cookies, we, we say this is a cookie and this is exactly what it does, and we go in, and you can't move on until you read the thing and, and click on it. Um, so you just have to be incredibly um, transparent, and I think a lot of these companies obviously don't want to be because it's bad for business. Well, this sort of whole quantity issue raises a related question, which is whether the kind of existing legal structure is sufficient to to deal with the the scope of all this. I mean, this comes up, you know, in the music sharing aspect. I mean, we've we've talked in this show before about the RIAA strategy of of, of suing everybody who who downloads or, or shares. Uh, Music uh, and you know at some point that just doesn't work anymore. At some point you have to have a different kind of a solution to the problem. And uh, in the area of copyright, in the area of intellectual property on social networking sites, it seems that uh, you know the traditional legal structures are not necessarily set up to to deal with the scale of this. Well, it's just stealing. I mean, it's stealing is stealing, but it's just it's, the tools are so easy to do it, and people are doing it that at some point, say for example, a record industry has to stop treating customers like criminals and figure out what the trends are, and they don't, they don't particularly like them. That's the problem. They wish it would go back to the old days where they could shove music down people's throats at their, at their leisure, and people, consumers aren't giving back those rights anymore. And so what happened in that case is that the record industry didn't give anybody any alternatives or any new ideas in terms of music, and so they stole. And, I, you know, you can't blame these kids if they, if they don't have alternatives from doing what's simple to do. I mean, they don't consider themselves. Uh, thieves, when in fact that's what they are. But uh, but I, I put the, the onus on the record industry for, for not coming up with, yeah, this exactly what you're talking about, new ways of sharing music, new business models, new new things, and um, instead of just, you know, stamping their feet and suing everybody. Hey, uh, Bob, this is Eric. I, I'm not sure I agree with uh, the characterization that law is inadequate to deal uh with the problems that we might be facing. Um, I think it's too premature for us to make those assessments um, because there's a whole bunch of things that will change before the regulators can, uh, quote, fix the problem. Um, there's going to be evolving social norms. There will be continued evolution in technology and business practices. Um, it's very possible, in fact, that um, there will be coping mechanisms within the Internet community itself that will uh, ameliorate a number of the problems that we have. And then the law has proven to be pretty robust in dealing with new fact patterns. So I'm not convinced that uh, there's a problem today that needs to be fixed by regulation. Well, we've reached the point in our program we need to start wrapping up and get your final thoughts and your contact information for our listeners. So, um, Chris, let's start with you. Let's uh, wrap up today's programs, your final thoughts, and give us your contact information. Certainly, yeah. As far as, uh, as, far as 
final thoughts on the topic. You know, I think the, the biggest flag that I'm seeing out there that we really need to be thinking a lot more about on the ownership issue is the, the ownership of information in these networks. And once you put your information or your relationship information into one of these networks, um, does the network own it? Do I own it? Can I take it out? Is it portable to to other networks or other systems if I uh, if I desire to to be so? As far as contact uh, information, best place to find me is online, either at serato uh, c e r a d o dot com or uh, my blog, which is socialcustomer all one word dot com, where I'm typically writing about uh, business uh, marketing and and social technologies from the customer's point of view. And then also just wanted to throw a quick uh, plug in for a a new project, a relatively new project that's happening out at the the Berkman Center at Harvard called Project VRM. And uh, the online site is at projectvrm.org, where uh, Doc Searles and a number of other folks are looking at how does uh, business look when uh, the customer really is in control of the relationships with uh, vendors and these types of networks. Great. Kara, we'll throw it to you. Sure. Um, I run a site called All Things to Eat for the Wall Street Journal and Dow Jones. Um, with Walt Mossberg, my partner, I write a column called Boomtown. Um, we are going to have Mark Zuckerberg actually talking about these issues at our conference in May, um, about all these issues, and I hope he can handle it. Um, and, uh, again, the, the big issue, I think, obviously, is, is, this, is this level of transparency and control over your information. Um, just as social networks want us to be promiscuous about putting our information up there, they should be almost promiscuous about telling us about what rights we have, what's there, and uh, and giving us the ability to have control over it, because in the end, consumers will have control over their information, whether they like it or not. And Eric Goldman, your final thoughts and your contact information. Yeah, I think uh, the uh, biggest issue in my mind is the exceptionalism nature of uh, our approach to social networking sites. Um, and uh, we've seen this over and over again with uh, discontinuous innovations in technology. Um, and uh, I'm hoping that uh, before we uh, overreact to the development of social networking sites, we figure out exactly what is truly new, uh, special, or different about them. Um, and uh, focus only on those pieces. If we conclude there is nothing there, um, maybe then there's no concerns uh, that need uh, new uh, legal regulation. Uh, I uh, um, maintain the um, uh, online presence at ericgoldman.org, all one word. Uh, I'm at blog.ericgoldman.org and a website at www.ericgoldman.org. Well, Chris, uh, Eric, and Kara, thank you very much for joining us today, for taking the time to be with us. Uh, Fascinating discussion. And uh, Craig, uh, you and I will talk again next week. Sounds great, Bob. We'll see you then. Thanks again for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. Lawyer to Lawyer has been sponsored by Law.com. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.